0: Let's pray for this time. Let's consecrate this to, to the Lord. Um, and as we're, I'm praying for this, I'm also going to be praying for, um, for Natalie Schmidt and her family. Uh, Natalie works in her kids' program. She um, heads up the elementary program, and her brother went to sleep last week and didn't wake up, leaving behind his wife and their unborn child. So if, um, if you could join me in praying for their family and also for this time. Let's, let's pray. Father, we, um, we come before you with... Uh, with hopeful hearts that, um, that you can bring a peace that passes all understanding and a hope that is secure and a, uh, uh, and a foundation that is not able to be moved by, by things that, that terrify us as, um, as people. Lord, we pray for um, the Schmitz and the Shepleys and, and all of those who knew Mark and who are sad Profoundly sad um, that that we don't we won't get to see him until we too pass into eternity and and Lord we pray for your peace to pass to understanding we pray for the hope that does not disappoint we pray Lord for for um, you to take um, what in human terms looks only like a tragedy and that you will bring good out of this so Lord we trust you with that as well as the other cir- circumstances that others are facing whether it's an illness or or uncertainty with their jobs or or a loss of loved ones themselves, Lord, do those same things, Lord, bring peace and bring comfort, um, bring hope where otherwise we would we would have none and Lord, we pray for this time now as we talk about eternal things, and we continue to to walk down this road. we pray, Lord, that you, that you will speak to us, and not only speak to us but you will give us ears to hear, and that you will give us a a willingness to to step out in faith and to, to to put our full trust in you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a number of you have just joined us mid-series here. We're in a, in a series that we began a couple weeks ago. A series is called Secrets Revealed. It's about the afterlife. And in week one of this series, we said, well, if we're going to look to answers about the afterlife, where should we go? And, and we came to the conclusion that we should look to Jesus of Nazareth. Um, whether or not you personally put your faith in Jesus of Nazareth millions and millions and millions of people have. Um, In fact, there is no other person, this is not subjective, this is objective, there is no other person in history who has convinced more people that he died and rose again. There's no one that even comes close. And not only was he able to convince people, you know, years later, he was able to convince contemporaries, even his enemies, that he died and rose again. And that's even harder to do than to convince people, down the road. So so we look to him. What did he say about the afterlife? That's where we were in week one. In week two, um, we looked at this, this paradox, this paradox of there are some things about God that are beyond our understanding, and God says these are beyond your understanding. But at the same time that that is true, there are things about God that he clearly reveals. And in fact, he reveals them in such a way where he expects us to know them, to understand them, and then to be able to articulate them to others. So we looked at that whole thing and we spent most of our time last week on the side of the equation where here are the things that God reveals, here is what's called sound doctrine, um, let's get grounded in that you know, so that we can, we can articulate it and defend it and those types of things. Well, today we're going to be more on the mystery side of that. What do we do with all of these mysteries that still remain when it comes to, uh, to, the, to the afterlife? Now, uh, what I encourage you to do at this point is as we dig into today's teaching, take out this little green sheet and, and, and let's start here today. Um, I encourage you to, to write this, this statement down. Confusion about the afterlife is understandable. If we're going to talk about mysteries today, let's just put that out on the table. Let's just call it for what it is. It is understandable that there is confusion about the afterlife. And not just confusion among people who believe in different gods and believe in different pathways and these kind of things. There are, there's confusion among people who look to the Bible for answers. There's confusion about the afterlife among people who look to the Bible for answers. Um... For for example, let me let me give you give you this this um, this this piece here. If you are looking to the Bible, and you are looking of what what, thing, what boxes must I check to make sure that I'm eternally secure? What must I do to be saved? I'm going to put my trust that Jesus is the source of my salvation. I'm going to trust that the Bible is going to tell me about you know how I obtain this salvation. What's my checklist? What must I do to be saved? So let's say you're asking those questions, you go home, you get on the internet, you go to BibleGateway.com, and you say, I'm going to search every place in the Bible that talks about what I must do to be saved. You ever tried that? I did. Here's what he here's what came up with. I got more than 50 hits on that, and they're not all the same. I I typed in the exact exact phrase, be saved. You come up with 50 responses, 50 places that you can find that exact phrase, be saved, and they don't all say exactly the same thing. Here's here's a couple examples out of the 50. And just because, when I get to the part that says saved, if you could just say saved out loud, just because. All right. What must I do to be saved? saved? Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Turn to me and be saved. Wash evil from your heart and be. Save. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be. Save. He who stands firm to the end will be. Save. Whoever believes in is baptized will be. Save. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be. Save. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be. Save. He will bring a message through which you and all your household will be. Save. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be? You and your household. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be? They perish because they refuse to love the truth, and so be? God chose you to be? Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. But women will be? Through childbearing. So let's just say you want to you know what boxes do I check? How can I be saved? And you go to the Bible and you, and, you, and you do that and you realize, oh, okay, it's not as simple as getting the right boxes checked. And let me confuse it even more. You, you go into the Word and, and you want to know how, how am I saved? You come across this question. This question, do we choose God or does God choose us? This question has divided churches. This question is the reason why certain denominations exist. Trying to answer this question. Do we choose God or does God choose us? In fact, the people in the last five years, the people who have, the last seven years, the, last seven years, the people who, have, who have, um, I have felt the most attacked by in the entire world are religious people who because of something I said, came at me from one side of this or the other. People feel very strongly with us. And the reason they feel strongly is because the, the Bible presents a paradox. The Bible presents a paradox. A paradox. Here's, here's an example. You have verses like Joshua twenty four fifteen, where Joshua asks the people, or it says to the people, choose you this day who you will serve. Choose you this day. Make a decision who you're going to serve. That's what Joshua says to the people. Well, Jesus says elsewhere, he says this to his disciples, he says, You did not choose me, I chose you. So you see this paradox, this this scriptural paradox where 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 you've got these this language that speaks to destiny and election and predestination. You also have this language that speaks to response and decision and and, and making a commitment. You see see both of these. So are are we saved because of what that we make a decision for Christ? Or are we saved because God predestined us to be saved? Or are these just the wrong questions altogether? You know, this is part of why there's confusion regarding the afterlife. Let me throw one more of the kind of mysterious things out your way, and then let's try to wrestle with this. Here's a question. Is salvation granted on a sliding scale? As I've been, as I've been going through the scriptures, I, I take a lot of notes, and one of the sections of notes I put, I call them my sliding scale verses, um, because they seem to indicate, wow, our are we accountable to that which has been revealed to us? It's just, they're interesting passages. Before we go to those interesting passages, let me, let me point to some certainties. Um, the Bible provides certainties regarding salvation. It says to those who receive Jesus, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So those who clearly, sincerely surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, accept him as their savior, those folks, the Bible says, you're good. Continue to walk this out, but you're good. Now, we also see this. We see in the scripture, whoever rejects the Son will not see life. God's wrath remains on them. That the Bible consistently says, if you reject Christ, if you outward, just out now just reject him, don't put any hope in that. But what about people who don't fit one of those boxes? Well, then you've got verses like this that may or may not speak to that. Are we accountable to that which has been revealed to us? Jesus said, If you were born blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim to see, your guilt remains. That's an interesting passage. First Timothy, this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in what? Ignorance and unbelief. That's an interesting passage. Second Peter 2 it would have been better for them not to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Uh, John 15, says this, If I had not spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. So you go into the scriptures and let's say you, you, you're you saying, I want to take Jesus at his word. I believe the Bible is, is, is the truth. I believe that, that what God would have regarding salvation is revealed there. Well, when you go in it, it's understandable that there's confusion when it comes to the afterlife. That's, that's understandable, at least to me. So what do you do with these mysteries? What do you do with them? Last week we dealt with, what do you do with the, the doctrine? That's clear. Well, what do you do with the mysteries? Well, I believe the Bible speaks to that. I believe the Bible instructs us what to do with the mysteries. In fact, Paul straight up says it. Um, here's, here's something I encourage you to write in your notes, and then let's take a look at, yep, stewards of the mysteries, thank you, and then let's take a look at where it says it. Believers should be trustworthy stewards of the mysteries of God. Believers should be trustworthy stewards of the mysteries of God. Let me show you where we got that, let's unpack that a little bit. If you have your Bibles, please open with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 and then we'll talk about it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry, we'll put them up here up on the screens, the words. And then also, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. We have um, a copies of the Bible there in the back. You can just grab one on your way home. All right, let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. Oh, I want to say this too before we read it. If anyone can teach on this with authority, it's Paul in addition to Jesus. If anyone can teach uh, this with authority, in addition to Jesus, it's Paul. Paul was given insights into mysteries that I cannot understand even with study Bibles and commentaries. He he received profound insights that people are trying to understand today. Um, so if anyone understands mystery, it's, it's Paul. Here's what Paul says about mystery. He says this, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and what? stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Let me read that again. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. All right, let's unpack this a little bit because it's the translation um, and the English words and things like that, they, they could be misleading. Um, if we, we don't understand what the Bible is saying. Let's start with the word mystery. When we think of mystery in the English language, we think of things that are that are still mysterious. We think of things that are strange or things that are not yet understood, things that are hidden, that type of thing. That's the English word. Well, this wasn't originally written in English. It was originally written in Greek. And, and when Paul is using mysteries... It's similar to that, that's why they use the English word mystery, but it's, it's not identical. A biblical mystery, a biblical mystery is something that has been revealed, but it's something that would not be understood unless God helped us with it. A biblical mystery is something that only God could have known, but yet God has chosen to reveal to us. And sometimes he reveals a lot, sometimes it's a little, but that's, that's a biblical mystery. So a biblical mystery isn't necessarily something that you can't understand. A biblical mystery is something that God has revealed or is revealing. That's a biblical mystery. Um, now let's talk about the stewardship, because it's not just about having the mysteries, it's also about being stewards of them. Stewardship means you are, um, you are responsible for something the master has entrusted you with. A steward is is just that. A steward is responsible for something that the master has entrusted you with. And so let me give this illustration so we can make it concrete. Um, Imagine that you are fabulously wealthy by American standards, and you have a multi million dollar home wherever you want it to be, in addition to the one you've got. Because you're going to stay here. It's a great church, you know, that kind of thing. So, in addition to being in in this area, um, you also have a, a multi million dollar home anywhere in the world. So, think of the Place it is, all right? Could be a state in the United States. I'm serious. Think about this. I'm going to have you say it out loud. Um, so think where it is. Is it Colorado? Is it California? Is it Florida? Is it somewhere in Europe? Caribbean? All right. Got it? Okay. Say out loud where your home is. Cool. All right. Okay. You all catch that? All right. So um, so you've got this home and, and it's beautiful. Get a picture in your head of what it looks like and what the grounds are like and what the interior is like, all right? So you got this picture. Now, if you live here in this area and you have that amazing home somewhere else, you need to have someone who stewards it, right? You can't take care of it. You're not going to just lock the door, hit the alarm and leave that thing, right? You need someone to take care of it. They are a steward of that property. And if they're a good steward, they're taking care of it the way you want them to take care of it. If they're inviting people over, it's the people you want them to invite over. If they're going to paint the walls, it's the color that you want them to paint the walls. If, they re- if they're interacting with the neighbors, you want them to represent you well so that the neighbors don't destroy your house, right? That's stewardship. So let's relate that then to, to what, what Paul's saying. Hey, if, if, if stewards, if, if we're concerned that a steward would take care of stuff, which really only matters to us, how much more should we be stewards of the things God has revealed and trustworthy stewards of what God has revealed? Because if we aren't trustworthy stewards of what God has revealed, we are misleading people as to what God says, what his character is. And we make it, in a sense, harder on God because we're misrepresenting what he says and, and, and what, he, what, he, what he does. And that's one of the reasons why um, why we're having this series, actually, Because there was a pastor, and he ended up writing this book. He's a well-known pastor, very popular in certain circles. He ended up writing this book. And in this book, he wasn't a trustworthy steward of the mysteries of God. And he obscured things that the Bible made clear. And he tried to clarify things that the Bible intentionally has left obscured. And and the reason why we're, we're even having this discussion is a lot of people became very confused about that. Um, I, I offer Exhibit uh, Exhibit A here. This is a Time magazine. It came out right before um, before this this pastor's book. Jeremy, what's the the title on the front page? What if there is no hell? What if there is no hell? And people are always asking those questions, right? People who 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 are predisposed not to believe that Jesus was said what he said. People are already predisposed there. What's unfortunate is this article is taking that pastor and be using him to support those beliefs. They're taking what this pastor said and, and it's, it's confirmation of their bias against what Jesus said. That's, that's, that's theological malpractice. That's not good stewardship. You can raise questions. In fact, we should raise questions. We can dive into mysteries. Of course we should. But we need to carefully steward what God has revealed to us. When we don't carefully steward what God has revealed to us, we misrepresent what God has said. We can misrepresent God. And not just on what people would say is the liberal end of things, on the conservative side of things. The signs that people pick it with, that's not representative of God. A lot of those things. You know what I'm talking about, right? So, so, so we need to be so careful because we are stewards of the mysteries. We are to, to reveal what God has revealed as God has revealed it. We're stewards of the mystery. Here's something, um, another passage I'd like us to look at. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's take a look at this one. 1 Timothy chapter 3. In case you're one, or, or no, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 3 to 7. Look at the language that Paul uses here. He says, he's he's talking to one of his disciples. He says, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any what? Different doctrine. Everything isn't equally true. Everything isn't equally representative of God. Everything isn't opinion. Some things are, but everything isn't opinion. He says, don't teach any different doctrine which promotes speculation rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. There are so many people who make so many confident assertions. But often their confident assertions are based on one or two scriptures without all the other scriptures that also speak to it. Sometimes it's out of ignorance. Sometimes it's because they're confident in their own opinion rather than what the Bible actually says. A lot of people make confident assertions. Are we being trustworthy? Are we being trustworthy stewards of what God has actually revealed? Um, I encourage you this, to write this in your notes um, that relates to, to what we just said. Trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries Humbly recognize they aren't the master. Trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries recognize they aren't the master. We are to represent the master. And if you're going to say, this is my opinion, okay, say this is your opinion. Be careful not to say, this is what God says. Unless it's very, very clear that this is what God says. And it's okay to acknowledge there's mysteries. God himself acknowledges there's mysteries. Be careful, you know, that you carefully steward this so that you're accurately representing the master. Here's a re- another related thought along those lines. You could write this down too. Trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries continually grow in their understanding of what God's word does and doesn't reveal. This is absolutely essential. Absolutely essential. And this is why we encourage every believer to be reading their Bibles on their own. Don't only read the passages you're familiar with. Don't just listen to what a teacher or someone on a podcast is saying. Get into the Word. So you can go, yes, it says this, but what about this? Or yes, it says this, but what does the next verse say? Yes, it says this, but wait a minute. That's one translation. What about this translation? You can't do that unless you are growing deeper and deeper and deeper. And what happens is so many people end up with a very simplistic faith. And so one of the one of the ways I see this carried out is the people who will say the only people, they're trying to be trustworthy stewards, but they'll say things like this. The only people who are going to be in heaven are those who prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The only people in heaven will be those who prayed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've heard that many times. Is that A complete biblical answer. No. No. How do I know that? Why can I say that with certainty? Because Moses is in heaven. Moses died before Jesus was born. Did Moses ever pray to receive Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior? No. Did King David? No. Is he in heaven? Yes. Did Noah? No. Is he in heaven? Yes. Is Abraham? Did Abraham pray that? No. Is he in heaven? Yes. Yes. So what, what, what happens here is that we look in the scriptures and we see, wait, but salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name by which we are saved. Wait, it says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Okay, then, then how did Moses get saved? That's where the Bible pulls you in. Because there are answers to those types of questions. But they don't come with a simplistic faith. They come with us digging deep and continually to grow. What does God's word reveal? What doesn't it reveal? Because Moses was still saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. But how does that work? That's where the Bible takes us. We've got to grow and get deeper. If we're going to be good stewards, if we're going to be good stewards of the mysteries, we need to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, here's another related uh, thought too that, that, that talks about the scriptures but also it's, it's a relationship with Christ Here, I'd encourage you to write this down trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries seek increasing maturity in Christ trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries seek increasing maturity in Christ part of this maturity means digging into the word but also part of this maturity means becoming more like Jesus It's not enough just to know what the Bible says. It's also about, are you applying what the Bible says the way Jesus applied what the Bible says? Are you doing both of those things? Now, before we get into the application, there's one last thing I want you to write down because I don't want us to miss this, that trustworthy stewards of biblical mysteries point others towards salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. A trustworthy steward will never deviate from this. Do you got that? This is what we looked at last week, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. A trustworthy steward will never deviate from this. This is the sound doctrine. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But will you always give the same invitation to every person? Not if you're a trustworthy steward. Not if you're following the example of Jesus. Will you always say the same thing to every person? Will you take the discussion in the same place? Not if you're a trustworthy steward, not if you're a mature believer. And again, why do I say that? Because the Bible points us to that. The Bible points us to that. And we'll look at some specific examples in a second. Last um, scripture that I want us to look at here is 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verses 1-14, through 14, condensed. All right? Take a look at this. This comes before the passage we read about being trustworthy stewards. This gives us insight as to how we're going to do what I'm going to say we're going to do. And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Among the mature, we do impart wisdom, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. God has revealed it to us through the what? Through who? The who? The Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they're folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We are called to be mature when it comes to our stewardship, and we can't be mature unless we have the Spirit of Christ working in us. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, those words are used interchangeably in the scriptures. Think about how rich that is, to have the Spirit of Christ in us. First of all, we need to be praying to the spirit for the Spirit to open their eyes, because what we're going to be talking about are things that need to be revealed by God. Remember, these are mysteries they won't understand on their own. So if you just come with a really great speech or real great logic, that's not going to be enough, because some of the things you're going to talk about aren't logical. Many are, some aren't. And so... First of all, we rely on the Spirit to say, Spirit, open their eyes, open their hearts, open their minds, that they may see these secret things that only God can reveal. But then, beyond that, we need the Spirit to help us. And the Spirit wants to help us. Because as we look at the example of Jesus, we've talked about this many times before, Jesus didn't say the same thing to to different people. He didn't. And God wants to help you because you encounter different types of people. And if you want to be trustworthy stewards, there's going to be times where the Spirit's going to lead you to say one thing to somebody that you wouldn't say to somebody else. The the, the poor guy that gets picked on by us all the time is the rich young ruler, right? So, So this rich young ruler, he is a commandment keeper. He appears to be a great upstanding citizen. And he comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said something very specific to that guy. What did he say? He said, sell everything you have. Does, does, is that the message of salvation that we give to everybody? No. Not everybody is called to sell everything they have. This guy was. And the spirit of Christ would, would sometimes have us, as we're talking to people, to cut to the chase. Because there are people that we know, you might be one of them. There are people that we know that may think, Hey, I, I'm living a God honoring life. I'm I I'm I'm going to church, I I tithe, I don't cuss much, I you know this and, and they, they list all these things that they're doing. But they may not have their full trust in Jesus Christ. And, and to them, to be a trustworthy steward Of these mysteries of God God wants to take you beyond that God wants you to come to a place where you are free from everything in this life and you have your full trust in God and guess what he wants you to go to Haiti he wants you to go to Mexico he wants you to 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 take into your house a kid from Juarez he all these things that you would not have come up on your own he's like do you trust me is your trust really in me or is your trust in religion because they're two different things There are times where that's what God will lead you if you're listening to the Spirit. Now, that is 401 Christianity. That is not 101. But where is God calling us? Is he calling us to 101? No, he's calling us to full maturity in Christ. And part of being a full mature Christian is to be able to hear the Spirit of God. And sometimes that means saying, okay, are you willing to give everything you've got? And I praise God that someone did that with my life. I, I didn't have this in my notes. It just hit me again. i told this story a million times. There was a guy who looked at me when I was planning to go into a whole different career field. I was a senior high at the time. He looked at me and said, you're calling his ministry. That came from the Spirit of God. He didn't say that to everybody. You can get in trouble when you say that to everybody. I've been in enough charismatic circles where they'd look at somebody and say, oh, God's called you to speak to millions. God called you to be a worship leader. And they can't sing. They can't play the guitar. They can't speak. And the answer is no, he didn't call them. And now they're just all, you know, I've seen it. How many of you guys seen that? Where God's, they, right? That's not good stewardship either. It is not good stewardship sometimes to say, oh, you should walk away from your job. Sometimes the most God-honoring thing is provide for your family right now. Put in that hard work and do it and honor God as you do. That might be. So we have to be careful. The Spirit might say, you're supposed to sell everything you have? The Spirit might not say that. There's a guy, Nicodemus. When Jesus was having a discussion with Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a religious leader. Nicodemus appeared to be an intellectual. And as Jesus is talking with this intellectual, he's, he's using language not of sell everything you've got, you know, give it to the poor. He's using this language. He's saying, Nicodemus, you're a teacher and you don't understand these things? You must be born again. And Nicodemus is... Born again, this is a different paradigm for me. And there are going to be times when you're having discussions with folks. If you are mature in Christ, he's going to help you. God wants to help you in those times to be a a faithful steward and to help people see, wait a minute, there's other ways of seeing this. Wait a minute, this is a paradigm I did not consider. Wait a minute, this may appear foolish, but actually this, this could be the wisdom of God. And there are times where the Spirit's going to take you into those conversations. Not saying, sell all you have, give it to the poor. Saying, have you considered this? Um, I think of this other woman, and, and, and she was desperate Her issue wasn't, I've got a lot of money that we know of. Her issue wasn't an intellectual stumbling block. There was this woman, her issue was, hey, I've been subject to bleeding for years and years and years, and as a result of that, I am ostracized by society. As a result of that, I have to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, so people can't touch me, even by accident. And she was desperate. And this woman broke social norms, and she fought her way through this crowd, and her act of faith was, I'm just going to touch Jesus physically. What did Jesus say to that woman after he said, who touched me? He said, your faith has healed. Your faith has saved you, is what he said to her. Your faith has saved you. And there are going to be times where you can talk to, the Spirit will lead you to people in desperate situations, and you can say, you know what? It's not about selling all you have. It is not about an intellectual stumbling block. You just need to grab on to Jesus with everything you've got. Let everything else fall apart. You grab onto him and you hang on. You know, i got a picture in my head of a helicopter that's falling and some superhero reaching out like this. You know, just grab, let the helicopter fall. Grab my hand. And there are going to be times where that message of grace is what the Spirit would have you say to them. Just trust me. There's another parable. You can see how Jesus, different messages, different people. Here's another parable. Jesus told this. And in this parable, he actually contrasted two different types of people. Listen to this. Jesus once told a parable in which he contrasted two people who went to the temple to pray. One was a religious man, and his prayer went like this. God, I thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The tax collector he referred to as standing far off and he couldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, he pounded on his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus gave a punchline to that parable and he said, guess which guy went home justified before God? I'll give you a hint. It wasn't the guy who appeared to be doing all the right things. It was the guy who just said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. He went home, and the Bible says he went home justified. There will be times where the Spirit of God will lead you to not talk about all the things they should be doing, but to just say, do you realize your sins can be forgiven? That you can be set free? That as far as the east is from the west, so God wants to separate that sin from you, that you who were, were, your, your sins were red as scarlet, I want to wash you white as snow. There are times where where God wants to speak that through you because somebody needs that. They don't need to get piled on anymore. They know their life is a mess. They don't need to hear all the things they should have done differently. They don't need to, in that moment, hear, well, here's your first step and your second step and then get into a good church and make sure you're reading the Bible. They they just need to hear, I mean, I can be forgiven? Yeah. See, this is where the Spirit wants to help God wants to bring us to this place where we can be trustworthy stewards of the mysteries of God. That sometimes we speak in grace, sometimes we speak in truth, but in all times we point people to Christ as the source of our salvation. And, and I even think about how when, when people, when it's really the Spirit, often people know that. And sometimes they react very protective and, and, and offended and, and, and angry. Sometimes that's because the Spirit touched a nerve. Other times they just they'll just they'll just cry because they know this is this is God speaking and, and um, just as I've had God say to me, Chris, this is your plan for your life, that's the career you want, that's not what I have for you, and I needed to go okay, like rich young ruler, all right. I'm living the good Christian life, I'm going to church, I'm volunteering my time, but okay, God, it's everything. You got it. There's some there's times where I've got that message. Just when I was at the funeral. Um, you know, and, and you're, you're mourning for, for, for people that you care about. But also a lot of times at funerals, one of the things that happens is you start thinking about eternity. And this might sound strange, but one of the thoughts that came into my head was, I'm going to be out of a job in heaven. You know? And and because and, what I do now, I, I won't have to do that, you know? So I might have to learn gardening or some other biblical, you know? Seriously. <laughs> Brenda, you are going you are going you have job security in heaven. I have to find a new job, you know, because um, if you know, world started as a garden and then sin came and we end up. All right. So anyway, um, <laughs> but but this here, what happened in that moment? I, I just kind of haven't discussed. Okay, I'm out of a job, and then I believe I believe I heard the Spirit of God come and say, "You get to rest. You get to rest." And I needed that, and and. And the tears that were mixed for caring for others also got mixed, as only God's grace can do, with you know tears of my own of joy. And um, that, that the Spirit cares. And so there are going to be times where, where, where God speaks a hard word to you. And will you receive that? And, and, and will you act in that kind of a faith of, all right, this is hard, but God, I'm going to put my full trust in you. Will there be other times where God gives you a word of grace? Will you receive that? So God wants us to dispense that. God wants us to receive it. God wants to take us beyond simplistic Christianity. He wants us to be stewards of the mysteries of God. So Worship Band, why don't you come on up, um, and they're going to close us with a song. And the thought came to me as they were singing and leading us in this song last uh, at the 9 o'clock service, um, you two just had a concert. How many of you were there last night in the rain? Okay, Some of you guys were there. All right, U2 is one of the best bands on the, on the planet and they, they had this amazing concert in the rain at, and, and people waited years, you know year and a half or whatever it was. Some people paid hundreds of dollars for this concert. Compare that little concert in the TCF stadium to the concert that awaits us. When, when we are going to hear these words, John, the, the Apostle John, got a revelation from God. He got a revelation into eternity, the, 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 what is to come. And, and as, as part of his vision, he saw people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation. He, in, in this revelation from God, he saw creatures that he had never seen before that he tried to describe, but I can't picture what he was trying to describe. Imagine what that concert's going to be like you don't want to miss that concert. You don't want to miss that concert. So as we close this time, let's fully surrender or fully receive all that God has for us. So don't miss the moments now and we don't miss that moment then. Let me pray and then let's think. Father, we pray now, that I, a lot of words came out of my mouth. I pray, Lord, that what you want to say, whether it was, has anything to do with my words or not, was said and received, that it would take root and grow deep. Lord, let us now sing and praise you in the spirit and in truth. Let this be a holy time that connects us with you and brings honor to your name. In Jesus' name, amen.